I live in Europe, and it's incredibly easy to travel here. By bus, train or plane, I can be in any other European country in a matter of hours, for pretty cheap. But while I'm in other countries, I still want to check my emails, check my YouTube analytics and all that fun stuff. Well, by using Surfshark VPN, I changed my location to France using one of their 3200 plus servers, and I'm no longer annoyed by thousands of emails from Google freaking out saying, Oh my god, there's a computer in Spain trying to hack you! There isn't Google. It's me. And thanks to Surfshark, I'm no longer bothered by these annoying messages. Use the link in the description or episode notes to get Surfshark VPN today for as little as $2.30 per month on a two-year plan, and log into all your accounts anywhere with zero hassle and no annoying emails. Have you ever received a call or text from a number that you don't know, saying that a package you ordered hasn't been delivered because they need just a little bit more information from you? You don't remember ordering a package, and then start wondering how this scammer got your number. Well, anytime you go online and accept cookies or buy anything online, websites can keep your data and sell it to data brokers who create a digital ID of you. They can sell this digital ID to the highest bidder, and lo and behold, a bunch of scammers get a ton of information about you that you never agreed to give them. Well, with Ecogni, this is no longer an issue. All you need to do is sign up, and Ecogni will use the GDPR and CCPA and other privacy laws to get these companies to remove your data from their networks, protecting you and your data from scammers and anyone else who wants to use your data against you. Use the link in the description or episode notes and get Ecogni today for $6.49 a month on a one-year plan and protect your data and digital ID. Hello and welcome to the Essential Reads podcast. My name is Isaac and my goal is to bring you a bunch of classic audiobooks in an easy and accessible way. This podcast is brought to you by my store. I will publish all my audiobooks in podcast format here, but if you really want to support me in making these or just want to listen to them when disconnected from the internet, then you can buy my audiobooks for five bucks at theessentialreads.myshopify.com. The link will be in the description. Let's get started. The War of the Worlds by H.G. Wells. Book 2, Chapter 5. The Stillness. My first act before I went into the pantry was to fasten the door between the kitchen and the scullery. But the pantry was so empty. Every scrap of food had gone. Apparently, the Martian had taken it all on the previous day. At that discovery, I despaired for the first time. I took no food, no drink either, on the eleventh or twelfth day. At first, my mouth and throat were parched, and my strength ebbed sensibly. I sat about in the darkness of the scullery, in a state of despondent wretchedness. My mind ran on eating. I thought I had become deaf, for the noises of movement I had been accustomed to hear from the pit had ceased absolutely. I did not feel strong enough to crawl noiselessly to the peephole, or I would have gone there. On the twelfth day, my throat was so painful that, taking the chance of alarming the Martians, I attacked the creaking rainwater pump that stood by the sink, and got a couple of glassfuls of blackened and tainted rainwater. I was so greatly refreshed by this, and emboldened by the fact that no inquiring tentacle followed the noise of my pumping. During these days, in a rambling, inconclusive way, 
I thought of the curate and the manner of his death. On the thirteenth day, I drank more water and dozed and thought disjointedly of eating and of vague, impossible plans of escape. Whenever I dozed, I dreamt of horrible phantasms, of the death of the curate or sumptuous dinner. But asleep or awake, I felt a keen pain that urged me to drink again and again. The light that came into the scullery was no longer grey, but red. To my disordered imagination, it seemed the colour of blood. On the fourteenth day, I went into the kitchen, and I was surprised to find that the fonts of the red weed had grown right across the hole in the wall, turning the half-light of the place into a crimson-coloured obscurity. It was early on the fifteenth day that I heard a curious, familiar sequence of sounds in the kitchen, and, listening, identified it as the snuffling and scratching of a dog. Going into the kitchen, I saw a dog's nose peering through a break among the ruddy fonds. This greatly surprised me. At the scent of me, he barked shortly. I thought if I could induce him to come into the place quietly, I should be able, perhaps, to kill and eat him, and, in any case, it would be advisable to kill him, lest his actions attracted the attention of the Martians. I crept forward, saying, Good dog, very softly, but he suddenly withdrew his head and disappeared. I listened. I was not deaf, but certainly the pit was still. I heard a sound like the flutter of birds' wings and a horse croaking, but that was all. For a long while, I lay close to the peephole, but not daring to move aside the red plants that obscured it. Once or twice, I heard a faint pitter-patter like feet of the dog going hither and thither on the sand far below me. And there were more bird-like sounds, but that was all. At length, encouraged by the silence, I looked out. Except in the corner, where a multitude of crows hopped and fought over the skeletons of the dead the Martians had consumed, there was not a living thing in the pit. I stared about me, scarcely believing my eyes. All the machinery had gone. Save for the big mounds of greyish-blue powder in one corner, certain bars of aluminium in another, the blackbirds and the skeletons of the killed, the place was merely an empty, circular pit in the sand. Slowly, I thrust myself out through the red weed and stood upon the mound of rubble. I could see in any direction, save behind me, to the north, and neither Martians nor signs of Martians were able to be seen. The pit dropped sheerly from my feet, but a little way along the rubbish afforded a practical slope to the summit of the ruins. My chance of escape had come. I began to tremble. I hesitated for some time, and then, in a gust of desperate resolution, and with a heart that throbbed violently, I scrambled to the top of the mound in which I had been buried so long. I looked about again. To the northward, too, no Martian was visible. When I had last seen this part of Sheen in the daylight, it had been a straggling street of comfortable white-red houses, interspersed with abundant shady trees. Now I stood on a mound of smashed brickwork, clay, and gravel, over which spread a multitude of red cactus-shaped plants, knee-high, without a solitary terrestrial growth to dispute their footing. 
The trees near me were dead and brown, but a further network of red threads scaled the still living stems. The neighbouring houses had all been wrecked, but none had been burned. Their walls stood, sometimes to the second storey, with smashed windows and shattered doors. The red weed grew tumultuously in their roofless rooms. Below me was the great pit, with the crows struggling for its refuse. A number of other birds hopped about among the ruins. Far away, I saw a gaunt cat slink crouchingly along the wall, but traces of men there were none. The day seemed, by contrast with my recent confinement, dazzlingly bright. The sky, a glowing blue. A gentle breeze kept the red weed that covered every scrap of unoccupied ground gently swaying. And oh, the sweetness of the air! Thank you so very much for listening. If you enjoyed, please like, comment, share, all that jazz. And if you really enjoyed, do subscribe because there's more to come. And if you're listening on podcast, please leave a review. It would really mean a lot to me, and uh, it would help us get this in front of as many people as possible, which would be fantastic. And if you really want to support me, go to my Patreon. The link is in the description box. It would be awesome if you could do that. Help me turn this into not just a passion, but a job. Once again, thank you for listening. And until next time, bye-bye.